Cape Talk. The Book Review. I was rereading Andy Martin's book about spending most of nine months with uh, Lee Child while he was writing the 20th Jack Reacher book, Make Me, that book that I discussed with him a couple of weeks ago, Reacher Said Nothing, The Making of Make Me. And one of the things he says in that book is that one of the things that makes Lee Child so special is his voice. The way he writes is unique. You, you, You can't think that you're reading a book by anybody else. You pick that up, and within the first couple of paragraphs, you recognize that unique voice. And it struck me that a lot of thrillers that are well put together, they're well manufactured, they're well assembled, they've got very good plots, they've got the right kinds of character balances, but they don't stick in your brain the way a reacher does because they don't have a voice. And a case in point is a thriller that I've read recently by an author new to me, and I think new to publishing as well, an author called Daniel Cole, and it's a book called Rag Doll. And it starts with the body of it starts with the discovery of a body, except that it's a body made up of six parts of six different bodies. And at the same time there is a list released of another six people that are going to be killed and the dates on which they are going to be killed. And quite soon after this discovery and the release of this list, the first person on that list dies. So this is obviously something that's got to be taken incredibly seriously. And you have to find out who the six body parts belong to and why those people were killed and is there any link between the not obviously linked six names on the to-kill list. And Detective William Fawkes is a very troubled, he spent some time in a lunatic asylum because when somebody that he was absolutely convinced was guilty of a series of murders of young women was um, found not guilty, he launched himself at this person in the court and tried to kill him and uh, spent some time in a psychiatric unit as a result. And he's now back on the force, and this is the case that he has to try and solve. And what is his involvement? How does it link back? Obviously it does, otherwise the book wouldn't be written. How does it link back to that opening in a few year, a few years back? And it's a very good plot. I mean, it's, it's, it's well put together, and there are very few loose holes, loose, loose threads in the plot. And uh, Fawkes and his partner, Emily Baxter, and some of the people who work with them uh, are neat drawn characters but it is it's a pastiche it's what do you need to put into a thriller to make it readable and it's all there and it is readable but it is not it's not a unique voice so um if i see another daniel cole it depends if if there's a lot of stuff on my bookshelf i'll probably no go no i'll pass it if there's not much on my bookshelf i'll go you know what i had a couple of hours of fun reading that so let me pick it up and read the next one it's called da- it's called rag doll and it is by daniel cole and then the the not thriller fiction is uh, another lagos book this one is called welcome to lagos it's a second book by a nigerian author called chibundo onuzu and a lot of really big writers have written about lagos the lagos story we think chinua hebe ben okri teju cole they've all written novels based in lagos it's just one of those cities that asks to be written about and this is the second book as i said by chibundo onuzu and it is 
a sort of classic Lagos novel, and it's Dickensian in that there are five main characters who arrive in Lagos. They want a new start in life. There's a military officer who's traveling with his subaltern. They're deserters. They've not been able to deal with the fact that the Nigerian army has been killing civilians in the Niger Delta. And they meet Fine Boy. He's a fighter with one of the rebel groups. He wants to come to Lagos to be a radio DJ. And then there's Isoken, who's 16. They save her from being raped by Fine Boy and his rebel cohorts. And then there's Oma. She's the runaway wife of a rich but abusive husband. And they arrive together. They decide to stick together. They move into an abandoned building, which is not as abandoned as they think it is. As it they think it is, it's owned by the Minister of Education, Chief Sandayo. And he comes through the door one night. He's on the run from the police who investigate economic crimes. And he's got a bag which has $10 million in cash. So these five squatters seize the loot and they hold the minister prisoner. And they decide what to do with the money. It's charming. And it is, it's full of hope about Lagos. And Lagos becomes an, a sixth character or a seventh character, and in many ways, perhaps the most important character and the most well-written about. I loved it. I really did. I thoroughly enjoyed it. It's called Welcome to Lagos by Chibundu Onuzu. And then the non-fiction book is very pertinent in the light of the discussions that we've been having around Helen Ziller and colonialism and its legacy and whether there's any part of it which is not negative. It's a book called Africa's Long Road Since Independence, and it's written by Keith Summerville, spent a lot of time with the BBC, first arrived in Africa as a reporter in 1981. He's been back many, many times since as a journalist and as an academic researcher. And he has a look, um, the, the way he describes describes what he's trying to do himself is to unravel and explain how and why Africa moved from the exhilaration of independence and statehood to the crisis of expectation and disillusionment and the ongoing attempts at the moment to find new solutions. And of course, he addresses colonial legacy. And he identifies six core problem areas which African states inherited from colonialism, arbitrary borders, non-hegemonic states, weak links between state and society, the formation of a state elite, which was transferred from the colonial to the post-colonial governments, economic disinheritance and weak political institutions, and argues that as we think about Africa at the moment, we mustn't examine historical development, political, social, cultural, economic structures and agency in Africa through what he describes, what he writes, is a normative lens calibrated to view Western-style development as the ideal. And I found it immensely helpful in thinking through some of the debating points and issues which are on the go in South Africa at the moment. And it's that rare combination of a journalist's ability to observe and reflect what he has observed, a good writer. But as a part-time academic, he also brings an academic's rigor to the book. And it's, it's rare to get that combination of journalism and academia fitting so neatly together in one book, uh, if you're at all interested in Africa. He, he spends most of the time from the kind of 70s, as most African countries were moving towards independence, and then what has happened in the last 50 years, because that is where, you know, that is where Africa's long road since independence started. And a, a lot of the themes that are playing themselves out now started in the late 60s and the 70s. So highly recommended for Africa Watchers. It's called Africa's Long Road Since Independence. And it is by Keith Somerville, S-O-M-E-R-V-I-L-L-E.